Hello and welcome to Restorative Talks with Why Me. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Kiva Baxter. Join me as we explore what restorative justice is, how it supports people affected by crime, and what the future of restorative justice looks like. We'll be discussing some sensitive topics in this podcast, including depictions of crime. In this episode, we will be covering what restorative justice is, how it works, and what it looks like. Today, I'll be joined by Lucy Jaffe, director of the National Restorative Justice Charity, Why Me? Hi, Lucy. Thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first came into contact with restorative justice? Hi, Kiva. It's really good to be here today on this Why Me podcast. So I joined Why Me 12 years ago. I was really attracted by restorative justice because it spoke to the values that I've had since I was a small girl. And I used to go on these camps out in the woods and we always worked and we still do. I still go on them. I run them now. Um, where we run these circ- we we uh, run circles. We have daily meetings, um, and we resolve conflict through with the children by using circle work and talking sticks. And we really value every single member of that community. So the community only works if everyone's included. So for me, restorative justice in a world where there's a lot of conflict, a lot of despair about what to do next, and particularly in the area of crime. Um, and I think, I believe that people have the potential to make change and to make change themselves. And that restorative justice is a really amazing way of doing that. It's completely transformative. So that really spoke to my values. Um, and it's a real privilege to be the director of the organisation now um, in 2023. Thanks so much, Lucy. That's great to hear. So you mentioned the organisation Why Me. Could you tell me a little bit more about the charity and what it is that you do? So Why Me was set up by Will Riley. He was attacked and burgled in his London home by a man called Peter Wolf. And they they fought and Will was injured. Um, and then Peter was taken away in a prison van. Um, and the next time they met was in a restorative justice meeting in a prison cell in HMP Pentonville in 2002. And for both men, that meeting was completely transformative. So for Will, he got answers to his questions, like, why me? Why my house? What were you doing there? What are you doing with your life? And for Peter, he realised for the first time the damage that he'd done to somebody after a career of crime. And so Will went on to set up Why Me to promote restorative justice so more victims of crime get answers to their questions and more people like Peter get a chance to understand how much damage they've done. So we promote restorative justice we, we promote the right of people to have it and to be referred to a service, and we also deliver it. So we really understand the brass tacks of, um, of what, how restorative justice works. Um, and we work with a lot of people like uh, Janika, who I know you're going to speak to later, but other people who've been through it, so that they can explain why it's been so important to them and turned their lives around. So that's what Why Me does. It sounds like there's a wealth of experience behind this organisation, but for those who don't know much about restorative justice, could you explain a bit about the basics of what it is and what it aims to do? That question, what is restorative justice, is one I've been answering for the last 12 years. At its very core, it is a dialogue which allows the people most affected by crime or conflict to speak to each other and for their needs to be right at the core of that conversation. 
It's a facilitated conversation, i.e. there's a third party, a person who will help them have that conversation in a safe and appropriate way. It can be used before a crime, before a court sentence, but it's usually used after sentence, where there's been a prosecution or someone's been found guilty in the criminal justice system. It can be triggered by either a victim or an offender, someone who's committed the crime or someone who's been harmed by the crime. It can be brought in at any time uh, following a crime. We get people in coming in touch with us where the crime has, was committed 20 years ago, maybe a case of historical sexual abuse, and they still have questions and they feel ready and want to have answers from the person who committed the crime. So what does the restorative justice process actually look like in practice? A restorative justice process is facilitated by a practitioner. And if you want restorative justice, you get in touch with your local restorative justice service. They will meet you and talk about what you need, uh, who you've been, how you've been affected and what you'd like to happen next. And really listen to your story. They will then assess whether it's suitable to get in touch with the other party. So they might go and visit somebody in prison or get in touch with them through their probation officer or through a police officer. They will then meet them and ask the same questions and prepare them to meet in a circle. And, we, and if it's appropriate and safe, uh, then the uh, meeting can take place on a particular time and place and everybody sits in pre-assigned pre spaces in the circle. And there's a really clear structure about the way that the conversation starts. So the person who's committed the crime will go first saying, this is what happened. It could be, I was just walking down the road and I tried every lock, every door handle, and yours was the one that opened. Um, and for the person who's the victim of the crime, they can say, this is what happened to me. I got home, found my, my home was completely ransacked. And then you work through the restorative questions. How does that make you feel? Who else has been affected? And both sides, both parties get a chance to talk. And then you end up having worked through that, having they have a dialogue, the people most affected, about what they want to happen next. So for many people, it might be, that's enough, that's all. I just wanted that meeting. For many victims of crime, they often say, I just never want you to commit another crime again and no one to go through what I've been through. Some people decide to apologise, some people decide to forgive. But there's no set menu, if you like, for what comes out of restorative justice because each case is completely unique, even though the process is a standard process. And at the end of it, there's an outcome agreement and you agree and it's signed by both parties. And then there is a follow-up and debrief by the facilitators with the people concerned. It is completely transformative, restorative justice. It helps people to take control of their lives, to ask the questions they need to ask, and also to meet each other on a very human level, which the court system and the criminal justice system in this country really doesn't do. It depersonalises people and sidelines victims. So what happens if you have been affected by crime, but you don't want to meet them face to face? So for many people, it's fine to meet face to face, but there may be reasons why not. It could be that they're in another country. It may be that they're in prison and it's, it's difficult to go in and visit. Or it could be, uh, for example, someone like Anne-Marie, who is one of our ambassadors, who was 
uh, bullied on a bus every day when she went to college and it really, really upset her. She's got disabilities and they were taking the you know fun out of her because of her disability. She went to the local restorative justice service, but she didn't want to meet the children concerned. So she made a video and she talked about her experience and she went through the questions, what happened, who's been affected and how, and what she'd like to happen next. And it's absolutely powerful. Do go to our website and find that video. It's amazing. That video was shown in schools across Cleveland. So it was the Cleveland Restorative Justice Service who did it. And those school children realised for the first time, maybe, how much harm they'd done. And for her, she'd really taken control. So she really felt like, oh, I can say my piece. Um, and she said, I love restorative justice, what she says at the end of the video. So there's shuttle restorative justice where the facilitators might move between the two parties. And there's also, you could may, may have a letter uh, or some form of written, a written apology or explanation that goes between the two parties. It's interesting to hear about the variety of different ways that someone might engage in a restorative process. Can you explain a bit more about why someone might want to take part? Absolutely. Why does someone want to take part in restorative justice? That's a question I get asked all the time. Um, and there are lots of different reasons. I mean, for example, I was a, a victim of crime myself uh, recently where someone tried to take my bike off me when I was cycling. And my my first thing that I said when the police came along was I said, I really want to meet them, ask them why they thought that that was a good idea. Um, and the police were like, who are you? You know, and I said, well, actually, I run a restorative justice organisation. But I still think to this day, because they never caught them, um, how I would still have those questions. I really want to know. I feel like I have a thread that runs between me and the person who tried to take my bike, and that will never be broken because that is something that has happened. But what I want to do is make that a thread that is restored somehow, or it just isn't isn't something where I was a passive victim and, yeah. Um, but if, so maybe that gives uh, listeners a bit of a, a chance to imagine what it's like. Like if someone has broken into your home or um, tried to take your bike, for example, you are asked like questions like, why did you, they pick my house? Um, did, did they plan it or was it more of a spur of the moment? Was I targeted? Who are they? What's their story? Um, and I know, because I've been a victim of crime several times, is that I hold those stories and the details of those stories. And from working with people, um, our ambassadors at YME, for example, um, I know that what that helps is to give people not just answers, but some sort of control over the narrative and to recreate a narrative where you are the one that is the main actor rather than being just a sort of passive recipient. And that also transforms and helps people to transform their lives and their perspective on life and how they feel about it. Because some victims of crime don't leave their house, get become completely obsessive about, you know, what they, their security um, and feel scared. Uh, people have health problems. There's all kinds of impacts of crime. And there's plenty of evidence to show that. But what restorative justice does, it can be completely transformative because it puts the victim right at the centre of the conversation, whereas the court system often just invites them in as a witness and you're kind of a bit part in your own play. For people who commit crime, they're often stuck in prison. Many want to make amends, but they are just simply trying to get through. And for people who commit crime again and again and again, the victims become faceless. 
they're just a piece of paper. And restorative justice gives them the chance to really understand and be understood. So for many who participate, it's a chance to regain a bit of humanity, a connection with themselves, and also do something that helps the people whom they've harmed. Really interesting to hear that Why Me advocate for the process to be led by the people who are involved. That leads me on to my next question, which is, who is restorative justice suitable for? Restorative justice is suitable potentially for everybody and for any type of crime. Um, and the key word there is potential. So it, we don't rule out at Why Me. We, we do not rule out a type of crime and we also certainly don't rule out particular groups of people. It's really important that the decision is made by people who are well qualified to assess a restorative justice process. And what we find often is that decision is being made by people who are really not qualified to do so or have not got preconceptions about what restorative justice is about. This is particularly the case in crimes such as domestic and sexual violence, where we find that there are gatekeepers to the restorative justice services, even though people are asking for it who've been victims of those crimes. And really what we, are, what we would argue at Why Me and what we've seen um, through working with our ambassador group is that it is so powerful and useful for people who have been through those crimes. And not just domestic and sexual violence, people whose children have been murdered, um, people who are up against uh, state violence, people who ha are subject to hate crime. We are also at Why Me, really aware that some groups are less likely to get restorative justice, but that it can be really powerful for them. So, for example, LGBTQ plus people uh, who suffer from hate crime, uh, in people with English as an additional language, who may not be seen as the sort of standard uh, restorative justice sort of recipients or service user. Uh, we, we're asking people to open their minds. You know, it can be happen in any case, but what they really need to do is go to professional restorative justice uh, providers who can then help them make that decision. It's great to hear that nobody is excluded from taking part in restorative justice based on the type of crime they experienced. So leading on from that, I wonder if you can tell me how restorative justice works in England and Wales and what that looks like. Restorative justice is funded through police and crime commissioners. There are 42 restorative justice services across police and crime commissioner services, which are for victims of adult crimes. And then if you're a victim of a youth crime, um, then the youth justice system, of which there are 152 services across the country, have a duty to tell you about and invite you to restorative justice with a young person. Then there's also uh, restorative justice in prisons. Some prisons are restoratives, um, such as the Peterborough prison. And we also find that in the ed education system, there's restorative work going on there. The restorative provision is dictated by the Victims Code of Practice, which was introduced in the EU. United Kingdom in 2012. There's currently a Victim and Prisoners Bill going through Parliament in 2023. 
um, we're hoping that the right to be referred to restorative justice service will be embedded in that bill. Um, because at the moment, under 6% of victims with a known offender are aware of restorative justice, and that has been year on year. So we also want that bill to strengthen the due, strengthen the power to hold people accountable for delivering restorative justice. And we feel that why me, that we've really got very clear messages and we're to on top of the communications about restorative justice. So we look forward to having a lot of conversations with statutory authorities about how to get the message across. So if someone had been affected by crime and was interested in restorative justice, how would that work? Who do they get in touch with? So if you've been affected by crime and you're in England and Wales, um, go to the YME website um, and look at our map on how to access restorative justice, because there you will find the contact details of every single police and crime commissioner across England and Wales. You'll also um, be able to ask them where they're the local youth justice service is. And if you're really in doubt, you can get in touch with us at YME through our email address, info at why-me.org. Thank you for all that information, Lucy. So my final question is, if you could sum up restorative justice in one sentence, how would you do it? Restorative justice repairs harm by putting the voices and the needs of the people most affected right at the heart of the conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Lucy. It's great to hear your passion about restorative justice and to learn a bit more about how it can help people who've been affected by crime. Thank you for listening to Restorative Talks with Why Me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out more about restorative justice and how to access it, visit our website at www.y-me.org. That's www.why-me.org. In the next episode, I'll be joined by Janika Cartwright, who suffered a violent knife attack at the hands of her ex-partner. She will share her story and the struggles she faced in accessing restorative justice. To hear firsthand what the restorative process is like and Janika's views on how we can dismantle some of the barriers that she faced, tune in to episode two of Restorative Talks. If you would like to donate to help us continue to support people affected by crime, you can do so via the website. You can also support us by rating, downloading and sharing this podcast, which really helps us as an organisation. Join the conversation with us by following us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram at YMeUK. <laughs>